Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. You know, kind of a chill week. Um, you know, some stuff going on, but it has been a great week. Uh, if you are a Florida Panthers fan, uh, obviously tough game uh, tonight against LA. Uh, and we'll get into talking about that later, um, but picking up some wins and then equally important, other teams in the division uh, that are up there, Tampa Bay and Toronto, losing some games here, um, creating a, a bit of a cushion between the Leafs for the moment, who um, right now, I mean, the Leafs can't buy a save. Um, I, it's fantastic to watch. It's fantastic. And it's nothing personal against Peter Mrazek or uh, Jack Campbell, who's now uh, injured for a little while here. Um but as you recall, we, we'd seen, you know, a lot of, you know, stuff earlier in the year before this season about how the Leafs had finally fixed their goaltending problem. Jack Campbell was the answer. Um, specifically, one article from Editor and Leaf um, that started off by saying you can't predict goaltending and then predicted that the Leafs goaltending duo was vastly superior to what the Panthers had um, in Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, not to mention Jonas Johansson, who was brought in, um, and has been downright brutal. <clears throat> but right now, Peter Mrazek and Jack Campbell um, absolutely sewer in the Leafs, and you'll love to see it. Like, oh, man. Did you watch that Arizona game? I didn't watch the game, but I saw the Chikrin goal. <laughs> Chikrin, and- who now is injured. Well, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to that. We're gonna do an episode midweek about the draft specifically. The trade deadline. Uh, yeah, the trade deadline. Sorry. Yeah, it's late. Um, um yeah. So we'll talk about uh, but yes, and all that stuff. The, 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 the goal. goal. But you want to know what? It's as much as we love to harp on the goaltending in the Leafs. Their def- the defensive structure is just as bad. Like, it's. It's not good. No, like, it, like it's not good. It really isn't, right? And they're not helping other goalies that much. And I know Leafs fans will say, no, no, the defense has been great this year. And I would say, no, just just watch them, right? And tell me that with a straight face, that you you have absolute confidence in this decor going into the playoffs. And I don't think you should if you do. Um, and then behind them, the goaltending, like, I know – it can be kind of tricky. Sometimes you see goals where players like fan on the shot, right. And the timing of that throws off the goalie a little bit, right. And can kind of squeak through at the same time. You have to think if Peter Morazic isn't 30 feet out of his net uh, on that whiffed shot by uh chicken that went in, you have to think he makes the save. Like he, he's been like just over like overcompensating in his movements. Right. I think sometimes you, I, I think one of the big things you notice with goalies is when they're kind of a bit off their game, right? Like they're either just a bit rattled, like physically or mentally. They either get way too over aggressive or way too under aggressive. Exactly. They either play really far out, which was Mirazek, or really, really deep in their net. Yeah. Um, I, uh, if we can segue a little into, uh, the Heritage Classic game. Yeah, first is off, that, yeah. that's what they're called, right? Heritage Classic. Is it? Is, is that what this was? First of all, I, great, I, I, fantastic I, job marketing it by the NHL. I don't think anyone knew that this there was an outdoor game going on this evening. For me, it was afternoon. the the Nashville Tampa one. I had no idea that even occurred. Oh, well, they just sneak up on you. Like realistically, if I didn't hop on Twitter and have like 
a million Leafs fans that I follow yeah, and, and Sabre fans just because, you know, I'm in the Niagara region. Like, you would have no clue there was a game going on outdoors, right? I think the only reason I saw there was a game going on was because I saw an Oshawa Generals tweet earlier in the week about they were playing Hamilton there. Okay. Okay. And yeah, that's so. how I knew that this was happening. And then I remembered the Leafs jerseys. Oh, yeah, the Leafs jerseys that were brutal. They look like they're the University of Toronto. It's so funny. Is, is what they look like. Right. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I know the NHL, like, they don't do overall a great job marketing, but, like, their marketing for outdoor games is, like, horrendous. Like, I was honest. I was thinking about this. Like, for NHL games, it should literally be free to watch for those outdoor games. Yeah. Like these games are created to grow the game. You're yeah, so so let people watch them. Just it's one game. Exactly. Like like expand your audience as much as possible and I think that begins by just allowing it to be a free viewable game on NHL Live. Yeah, no, I love that idea and also make sure people know there's a game going on. Cuz the only time I can remember them like doing a relatively decent job marketing an outdoor game was the Lake Tahoe game. And the only reason I remember it is because uh, Pierre Belmar thought they were playing on the lake, the unfrozen lake, instead of next to it. <laughs> I don't remember that particular storyline. That's hilarious. Do you remember? It was in like the, it was in a post-game interview with Andre Burakovsky, and they were asking him about, because their next game was Lake Tahoe. And he said, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm really excited. You know, growing up in France, I've actually never skated, you know, on a lake before. So I'm really excited. And Burakovsky just looks to him. He's like, you know, we're, we're playing on like the 18th fairway, right? Like we're not on the lake. We're next to it. And he was, and like the look of devastation in, in Pierre Dorbelman's oh, eyes man, is priceless. I, we'd have to look that up. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. But yeah, no, like that was such a success. Even though, what was it? The ice melted. Philly. The Philly Boston one. Philly Boston. That's when it melted, right? Yeah. 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 So other than that, though, and then and then there was the McKinnon versus Petrangelo mic'd up, right? Yeah, which is like, oh no, funny. yeah. But that like other than that, that's the only outdoor game uh, I can really remember. Uh, the marketing. So this, yeah, one, I always I, I feel like the Winter Classics though are ingrained. Well, it's always like, the same you always time know every there's year. one. There, you always know there's one on January first, even though I think I think this year it was Nashville, Tampa, and I had I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I'd love this. I'd love it though if like Florida was able to get an outdoor game, and I'm hoping they do sometime in the next couple of years. Have you ever been to one of the outdoor games? I uh, I have not. I can't say that I've had the the pleasure. Because I went to the one the one year in Calgary. They were playing uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And let me tell you, from a spectator experience, holy fuck, was it cold. It was like minus 20. We're in like the 600th row, like two kilometers away from the ice. Can't see anything, just freezing. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But it was cold. Yeah, and I, um, I actually, I, I've heard like from... Uh, from a friend who went to the, uh, the Air Force one between Colorado and Los Angeles, that it was super fun, but like there was all there's always a but, and the but in this case was traffic after the game. Oh, brutal! He said yeah. it took him like three hours to get back to his hotel. Goodness, yeah, like there's always something with these games, but there's they're... always seems to be a but. But they're, they're a lot of fun, right? And it's an experience, and the league should really market it as such. And so for this one today, for the Heritage Classic or whatever, Leafs, Sabres, I will say this. From the Leafs' perspective, this game could not have come at a better time because it's an outdoor game, so it's a little bit of a spectacle, right? You're in Hamilton. You're close to home, right? And you're coming off a stretch of bad games, a couple losses to some not-so-great teams, right? A couple close games right they had a close one with seattle uh that they won a close one with columbus that they won um and recently earlier in the month had also lost 5-1 to the buffalo sabers 
So in terms of like a, you know what, it's an exciting game right outdoor. Let's have some fun and let's get back on track. Right. It's a great opportunity for that, this game. And then they just didn't take it. I mean, let me tell you the best player on the ice. I, I don't know if you got to watch the entirety of the Panthers game. legend, Panthers legend, Vinny Hinnestrosa. It wasn't even close. He was buzzing out there. Well, and I really like the fact that, like, realistically, like, in this one game, like, Vinny Hinnestrosa has probably done more to help the Panthers than he did during his entire tenure with the Panthers. That's what, that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, he was awesome out there today, and you love to see it against the Leafs. Uh, and for the I Leafs, mean, let, let's talk about his – he had two goals, right? Yeah, I think one they might have changed. Okay, well – Whichever one was from the impossible angle. Yeah. Like, that's a great example of just like... No, he had two goals, one assist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did have two. I can't remember if that was his first or his second. I want to, I want to say it was his second. But I'm... I'm yeah, I think it was his second. Um, but, like, prime example of why Leafs goaltending just like... It's just bad. Like, you can never under any circumstance, like let those in and you're no. like no you you can't and you want to know what like the the sabers dominated that first period they did and like cre- credit to the sabers you know like we know they're not maybe the best team uh we've ever seen but like put up a good fight and you know what great to get the win against the leafs you'll love to see it uh and love to see a guy like Vinny Nistrosa just shine yeah like Shine under the bright lights of Hamilton. And, you know, obviously, yeah, tough, tough one for the Leafs. I feel really bad for them. Peter Morazic. It it all started with the Leafs showing up in construction worker uniforms. Steel worker uniforms. Yeah. While the Sabres showed up in semi-pro gear. Like, it was, it was I don't over see how you can start. compete with the Flint Tropics. Yeah, you simply can't, right? They understood the assignment. They went for it. Credit th- to them. Three quarters of the guys are wearing number 69. Yeah, you love to see it. Like, so funny. Yeah, just simply fantastic stuff. So a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of the big thing that occurred in that game, obviously Buffalo, big win for them. Awesome. Love to see it. Uh, the Austin Matthews cross-check on Rasmus Dahlin. And he will be getting hearing for this incident. I'm sure you've seen the play. I'm sure most people listening to this have seen the play. How many games for Austin Matthews? I. This is not going to be a very, like, I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with me on this, but I think it's just a $5,000 fine. I oh don't think it. I don't think he should get any games for that. He got a penalty on the play. Darlene was fine. He's a first-time offender. It's going to be a $5,000 fine. I I would like it to be one game. I don't think it deserves to be any more than a game. But my guess is just a fine, and they're just going to move on. Yeah. No, I, it's interesting that you mentioned he doesn't have a history, right? And I know there are some other kind of star players in the league, too, who have you know had dirty instances. And sometimes it feels like they either don't get punished at all because they're stars or they get punished more because they're a star player. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a sec, but it has to do with recent history in around the league. When you talk about league and present and consistency, like there is no consistency, right? No, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Another reason why he won't get a game is that alleged, I'm going to be very clear about this, alleged, Missed call in the Arizona game. Alleged missed call in the Arizona game. Because I don't, I, I think that was a good no call. Oh, yeah. I, but, I, but the majority of the people are going to think that it was a call. But I mean, just to make it real quick, it's as soon as he stops skating, there is like, yeah, there is no, no argument that can be made. Yeah. Had he, had he kept skating? 100% penalty. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to the cross check for a sec. Like that. You're saying a fine. I'm going to say two games because I once had a similar instance occur to me 
where I was going to cross check a guy and I missed his shoulder and it got up in the neck area and I got three games and I'm willing to concede that what I did was a lot more aggressive than Matthews had done. So I understand the extra game, but I think two is more than fair uh, for, for, for Austin Matthews. Um, but like, I think between a fine and two games is probably where I'm at. So probably a game. Yeah. But it's also really weird too. Like, with, like you never know with supplemental discipline, like the same thing, like with Brad Marchand and like Tristan Jari, like I didn't think there was really much there from Brad Marchand and that was six games. And I know he's got a history, but like, okay. And then you watch like PK Sluban uh, taking out people's like legs every game. And like all he ever gets is maybe a fine because it's not a dirty play. It's a bad habit. Can we, can we talk about the Marcus Foligno kneeing now? Well, yeah, let's go. It's Marcus Foligno kneeing, right? Obviously, Jakob Borchek coming in through the neutral zone with some speed. Flying. Flying. Well, yeah, he's a good skater, right? <laughs> uh, good player. Uh, Marcus Foligno grazes him with the knee. Uh, it really depends the angle. Like, from uh, from certain angles, it looks like Voracek, like... Topix. Like, but, like dives into the knee you know like it was going to be a clean and then he like like goes for the knee anyways yeah um i I don't know what i want to start with whether it was the call on the play or the resulting uh reprimand oh i mean i think let's start with the call on the play um there was no call on the play oh uh, that was deemed that was deemed fully acceptable by the officials present it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, I, I could maybe understand, like, you don't call, like, a knee-on-knee hit there. Surely, at bare minimum, he tripped him. Like, it, I, I, I remember watching it and being like, this, I think that's the most blatant knee I have ever experienced, like, in my era. Yeah, well, the good news is, like, at least it's, it's Marcus Foligno. He doesn't have a history of kneeing people, right? Except, oh, wait, yes, he does. It was only like a couple, like, <laughs> a little while ago that he did the exact same thing. Uh, like, um, it, it just baffles me, first of all, that you don't even call a two-minute penalty. And you could also do what they did in the – there was a – not a not the same, but there was another kneeing incident in, um, in the Philly-Montreal game today. And what they did was – they didn't call a penalty on the play when it happened. There was like, he looked, the player was down and then they decided to call a penalty and they decided to call a five minute penalty just so they could get to review it. Yeah. And they end up changing it back to a two minute. Yeah. Which is, I think is the way you do it. You got, you've got to take a look at that one. You've got to find a way to take a look at that one. If, if, if all four guys did not see it, You've got to find a way to take a look at that one. Yeah, like like, that so, is just... like someone's got to see these things. Like when stuff is so blatant, and then so the call on the ice, like on, the fact that there's no call on Marcus Fleno, just absurd. And then to go with a five thousand dollar fine is is your punishment to me is just like not enough. I would have been kind of okay with the fine had he gotten five plus a game, or five plus the game. If he, if he got a game, okay, like give him a game and then a fine. Yeah. Right, yeah. like get, take him out of the game, like but, first time offender. Like you got it. That didn't even get a power play out of it, man. And that is why, like, as much I, I think that if if you're the NHL, if you're the NHL Department of Player Safety, you look at this and you're like, how can we penalize Matthews more than we penalize Foligno in that situation? Yes, they're yeah. two completely different plays, but. You've got to hold somewhat of a standard across the board, and I, I just think that it's really hard to justify. Well, yeah. Well, in both plays, like, I, I, I think if I'm Toronto, I'd be fuming if he gets a game when Marcus Foligno did that to Jacob Voracek, and Jacob Voracek didn't even come back in the game. Oh, absolutely. And like both plays too are like can cause significant injuries. Like when you cross check someone in the net, like that hurts. And taking a knee on knee hit, like you can blow out a guy's knee very easily. Right. And so to me, you got to call stuff on that. So who knows what's going to happen in Austin Matthews? I think he gets probably a game. 
Yeah, I, I, I would like to see him get a game, but I think the reality is going to be $5,000. He's been... I can I can picture the tweet. Austin Matthews had, has been fined the maximum allowable under the CBA agreements, $5,000 for cross-checking to the head or high sticking or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah, whatever. I don't it think is. there's a I don't think they can call cross-checking to the head. I think it'll actually it'll just be cross-checking cuz that's what the uh It's a cross. Yeah, you can yeah. you can cross-check right. someone, right? Like yeah. you can have a play like that be suspendable. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do with that one. But yeah, the officiating, it just seems absurd lately. It's like, been brutal, especially at the end of the games. Yeah, like you mentioned, like the Matthews one in Arizona, and I get the case for, you know, Matthews starts gliding, right? He's trying to get the call, right? And it's like, to me, you know, I'm very certain most coaches often teach play to the whistle. That I, I personally, I remember uh, hearing that when I was playing and Mind you, I was not at a high level at all. No. So, like, I would assume that's what they would say at the higher levels, but yeah. Knows? Someone also brought up the, with the Matthews one after the uh, the supposed missed hook in that Arizona game, leading to the game winning goal. Some suggested that Matthews might be getting unfair treatment from the referees. Uh, the McDavid effect. No, he might be getting unfair treatment because of the incident where after he scored the goal, he made the referee goal signal after having the one disallowed and that that has rubbed referees the wrong way. And personally for me, whether I believe it or not, it's relevant, but I love the conspiracy theory of it all. Dude, please. I remember Eric Cole did that in Dallas, I think, when he was playing with Montreal. And I don't remember Eric Cole getting unfair treatment. Well, I mean, Eric Cole is already like a master at drawing penalties. Like, and, and McDavid's also just, done one too, where like, he told them to check upstairs after scoring in the shootout. There was uh, actually he scored um, in the Arizona game. He scored. Uh, he he scored. Remember the on the breakaway? Did you see the goal? He no. crossed the line, but on the play they said it didn't cross the line and then he was get, he was very moody about it had quite a sharp attitude about it who is this matthews matthews oh was, you might say he was pissy that's precisely how i would describe it yeah so like i i don't think like i i, I think there's zero percent that the that he's getting unfair treatment due to that but no. The conspiracy I do, like, is fantastic. Well, yeah, and I get like this, like realistically, like you have the same referees all year long, and they do know the players quite well. And like, I understand that, like hypothetically, like if you were a dick to someone, like they might like, but like at the same time, like that was like three years ago, and like relax. Exactly. Like maybe they just didn't call the penalty. What did you think of the? Ovechkin hooking oh, yeah okay I don't even know I don't even know what to say about that one because if uh, I'm pretty sure on that one Hyman's still trying to move his feet but he can't because he's getting hooked by 230 pounds of Alex Ovechkin I, I've seen that one from like 40 different angles like that's why we need referee press conferences man oh give it to me <laughs> uh, you have to sign a waiver that you're going to be civil but like fuck you like, need- I would love I, I I would love to hear the NHL's explanation on that. You would need to get like the the glass in front of them, the protective glass. Yeah. Like I remember the one Bullet I was proof. watching like uh, a video the other day. It was like people losing their minds after like losses. And one of them was, if you remember a few years ago, the St. Louis San Jose series in the playoffs where they missed the hand pass. And you just see like the refs are going down the tunnel and it's like Petrangelo Maroon. They're all just chasing them down the tunnel. Yeah, As that was that was saucy. That was all. He loved the entertainment of it. Yeah, oh, that it was was a, was a hand stuff. pass. It was it was very much a hand pass. But oh. yeah, I I don't think like the yeah the and that completely changed the outcome of the game. Like that was like completely changed it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the game-winning goal. And it's like, well, it's like a love. Like, I saw an article today. It was like, 
why are the like why are the Leafs getting like unfair like treatment from the officials? And it's like they're like this for all teams. I mean, didn't Colorado lose a game this week because of a too many men thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. I didn't. I I didn't see that. All I've I've only heard like third party accounts of those. But yeah. like, I feel like every fan base thinks the refs are against them. When the reality is, is like they might just not be that great. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see, like, because we are fairly close to playoffs. I think we're probably within twenty games of the less than twenty games at the end of the season, or no, thirty games, less than thirty yeah. games well, to the and, end of the and season. And historically, I mean, the officiating does always get better in the playoffs. Exactly. So you just got to ride it just out, ride out the regular season, and then you know, like. You make it to OT in the playoffs, and then the refereeing is just like dialed. Yeah, the like the amount of stuff you can get with get away with an OT of a playoff game is absurd. But you want to know what? As long as you're calling it the same on both sides, I think it's fine. Yeah, like you could probably mug someone on the ice on OT, and they won't call it. But God forbid you toss the puck over the glass. <laughs> Like that is the only thing they are ever calling in an OT game in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it has it's, to be so blatant. It's delay of game, and it's probably Mitch Marner doing yep. it. Yep, like that's <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, the officiating has been uh, questionable lately and always. Yeah, um, but we'll move on because we got some more Panther stuff to talk about uh, going on. But first, a quick ad read from our good friends over at DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a shot at a huge payday. And everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA 21 or older minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited minimum $5 deposit gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline in Connecticut. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in New York. Call 888 888- Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 4673-69. Okay, back into it. Panthers hockey. A couple of games since our last episode. Um, first off, we've gotten our first look here in this first couple of games. Terry Lindbaum, number 40, new signing on defense. What are you thought of him through these first two games? You know, I, I haven't really gotten to ISO cam him that much, but huge, huge guy. Yeah. And he has no fear of laying the body. No. It, to me, like, the big thing for me is, like, so far he has been as advertised. Like, I did, like he's put up zero points. He is a plus-minus zero. He simply goes out there and throws the body. And, you know, that's what you're going to get from him. Uh, he, the first game against Philadelphia, he absolutely obliterated Scott Watton, who um, left with an injury, and hopefully he's okay. Uh, and then tonight again, a couple big hits. Um, so to me, he seems like he's settling in quite nicely. Yeah, and, like, that, that, that's what we said. that It's exactly the type of guy that you need in the playoffs. Um, you know, he didn't played 12 minutes in his first game 10 minutes in his second game really like just there to like be a body but be a decent body yeah it's like like go there don't hurt us not really going to help us but you know what be physical 
make the other team know you're out there. Right. And that's the type of depth that you want in a playoff game. Exactly. Right. From your, you know, if you need a guy to slot in, if it's a physical series, that's a guy you can put in and trust that he's just going to do, I think exactly what we've seen from these first two games, maybe even better. Like, again, it is his first two games in the NHL after a long time, right? He's coming over from the big ice. He was playing in the Olympics. So there's probably still a bit of an adjustment too for him. Um, but so far, like he hasn't really looked at a place and he's been physical. So if he's going to be the team's seven, eight D man in the playoffs, I think you're pretty happy with what you've seen so far. I, I think he just fits the mold perfectly. Like he, he can slot in if, if there are injuries, like, and it, it's, it's such a good ad at zero cost. Well, yeah. Well, and one of the things for me and done with the playoffs is, and you, you talk about those guys, the, the rotation D at the bottom of your lineup, right? And I know everyone loves good young defensemen, right? It is not the time of year to start throwing your good young defensemen into those, like your, your defensive prospects into positions like that. Like we've seen, you know, when you, if a guy's really good, obviously put him in. But as your 6D, don't put a 20 year old kid in who's got maybe five, six games of NHL experience. Right. And as maybe known as, you know, a smaller defense or more of a puck mover, I'm thinking Rasmus Sandin for the Leafs in last year's playoffs, mm-hmm. right. Type thing of like, don't put your player in that situation. And so to me, Pateri Lindbaugh prevents something like that from happening to the Panthers where they have to call on, you know, a guy who's been in the, the minors all year, like a Ludwig or a Gildan. Um, and they can feel confident with, you know, rolling him and they, some of the other, uh, either at the kind of the bottom of the death chart there so yeah i i completely agree i mean that my i think my first call up would probably be in the neighborhood of chase prisky right yeah like you're, you're looking at probably prisky kierstad or, or maybe gildan yeah um probably kierstad and prisky but yeah. like the, the fact that you don't have to think about that now and that that's only a last last resort is hugely advantageous. Yeah, like you need and several it, injuries for that to be the case. Exactly. And it, it gives I, I think it's good. Like he might not be thrilled about it, but I think it's good for Lucas Carlson, who's still a young D, who has shown several glimpses of brilliance, um, but also can learn a lot. So to not have the pressure of having to to constantly perform and be able to have those like stretches where he won't be in the lineup might be good. Well, yeah. And like, as much as I've like Lucas Carlson's game uh, this year, especially lately, uh, I don't, you know, something goes wrong with him. I want to know I have other guys I can rely on and, and move them out of the lineup if need be. Uh, and so Lindbaum just helps with that, adding the other body in. And yeah, can give Carlson some more time just to keep getting better like he's done through most of the year and then keep some of those other guys in the minors because I don't think you want to have, you know, Kierstad playing most of the season in the minors and then be tossed into game six of a series. Right. And the other part is and, like, and not you're... and not be used to the physical nature of a playoff game. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And you have no obligations to Limbaugh past this season. He's a UFA. He can go wherever. So it's not like you're, you're locking yourself into this. If it goes wrong is there's a lot of maneuverability. Like I, I don't think it will go wrong just based on his, his demeanor, his experience and, and what he can bring um, and what he's expected to bring more importantly. Uh, like I just think it's it's a really good asset to have, and he's been doing exactly what is what we were expecting him to do, which is perfect. Yeah, and again, it is only two games, but you're right. Like he is, he's an older player. He's 28. He's a pro, right? He's not not a prospect, right? And rookie players make rookie mistakes, and veteran players they might not have the same upside or you know positive impact that some younger players will, but they're not going to make the same errors most of the time. Mm-hmm. and just be a stabilizing presence and have a little bite to his game. And so I think overall, you got to be pretty happy with what he's done through two games. And hopefully we're going to see uh, some more of it coming up uh, down the stretch here. Um, but kind of going back to this, this LA game tonight, 
a game the Panthers uh, end up losing uh, in the shootout. And, you know, as much as it sucks to lose a shootout to shootout, it's a, it's a coin toss. It's 50, 50. Um, but we got to, I think we got to talk about uh, the Jonathan Hoover day though play at the end of the third period where he gets tripped up going to the empty net, no call, very much frustration from him comes down the ice steamrolls. I follow, I believe on it. Not great looking play, a play that, you know, might get a look from player safety, runs him over, gets the penalty, Kings score, um, and then end up taking it, obviously, in the shootout. What are your thoughts on that whole sequence there from Huberto? Like, going back to the stupid officiating, like, well, it always comes back to officiating, and like tonight, I think the officiating was not great. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch the game as much as I listened to it on the radio while I was doing grocery shopping. Uh, so I, it was kind of tough to visualize at times when I was trying to pick out which milk to get. Um, but it, it's... the I, I don't know what it is, but it's in human nature or referee nature to give a slight advantage to the losing team in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I again, I, I don't know what it is, if it's human psychology or just if it's the, that's what the NHL wants. I don't know. Um, but it, it is like, it, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's just not surprising anymore. And you have to be such a saint if you're the winning team and you have to do something beyond blatant. Like, yeah. Well, to I, me, like the thing is, I, even I, say, I, I can't even say beyond blatant. Cause that was the OV hook to me was beyond blatant. Like you have to, you have to puck over glass it, you know, you have to make it impossible. Like, like it's, it's one of those things for me where it's like, yeah, I get the human nature of like a little bit of an advantage to the team trying to come back in a game, but some of the stuff is so blatant. Like to me, the trip on Huberto is blatant, right? And it's an empty net, and that's like that can be a game deciding play, and ultimately ended up, you know, resulting in the the power and play being a game deciding right? play, right? And it is just it seems like it's become more commonplace because we've seen it a few nights here over the last week where those types of calls or non calls are happening. Um, but for Jonathan Huberto, I think you got to have better discipline there. Like, yeah. I get you're frustrated. Like, I think everyone, you know, every fan, every person on that bench is frustrated by that non-call. But you know what? Like, you going down the ice and steamrolling Aya follow is not going to help things. You're one of the better players on this team. Uh, you, you need, and you're, you're a leader on this team. You're one of the more veteran players on this team you can't go down and do something like that. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like, I think you just, you just say, you know what? It is what it is. I'm going to go down and I'm going to defend our net. You literally, you have to be the bigger person. Yeah. And I think there's a, um, I was watching the Islanders game tonight and there was a play where I believe it was Derek Grant had boarded Ryan Pollock, right? And Pollock thankfully did bounce up, right? It wasn't a great looking hit from Derek Grant. Like it was boarding. But the reaction of the Islanders is stuff like they're walking that line of you're trying to stick up for your teammate, but don't do anything stupid and get a get a even up call. Yeah. One situation that I'm thinking of is uh Jason Robertson scoring the empty netter, his third his hat trick goal against Minnesota. I do think it was Marcus Foligno. Who cross-checked him? Yeah, and great, you know, great Robinson Sally. literally, literally did not even think about anything. No, and I think like and and yeah, slightly different situations, but I think at the end of the day, that's the that's the attitude, that's the mentality to mentality to have when approaching these situations. It's just you got to think about is it worth it, and like. Like I'm very certain there's not been a single time in, in history that complaining about a missed call has gotten it called. It doesn't happen. Like it sucks that the calls get missed, especially really blatant ones. But like, 
I firmly believe that that's not the player's uh, responsibility. It's the coach's responsibility. Oh, I agree. I, if you're the player, you play your game and you don't let the officiating get in your head. And that's a clear, like, that's, that's letting it, that's, that's letting it get to your head. And the coach is there to talk to the refs and discuss those things. And they have very productive conversations when they go to the bench sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's part of, yeah. And it's just that internal discipline that I think is something this team lacks and has lacked going back to last season in the playoffs versus Tampa Bay. It's the same thing when Ryan McDonough has an incredibly dirty play that doesn't get called. So Sam Bennett absolutely like steamrolls Coleman. And it's the exact same mentality of if you're the coach, you can't let your players do that. And if you're exactly. the coach, you can't do that. So, so yeah, if, if I'm looking at it, I'm there's one of two possibilities essentially. And one is the players don't have confidence that Brunette is able to hold the refs accountable for those, those types of situations that he's not going to step up for them in those situations, which is the coach's responsibility to do. And I or, think he would. Or, or it's the, or it's, it's the individual player not just not being smart, being an idiot. Yeah, and, and I get, like, it's heat at the moment, right? Like, you're in a game, you're competitive, like, everyone gets angry, right? Especially stuff like that. But you just can't do it. And so hopefully, you know, we don't see much more of it. Like, it would be nice if the refs realistically would just do a better job. But, like, I think we're well past, like, coping for that. Yeah, I think we are, too. I, I don't think we should all be holding our breath for them to start calling these types of things. Because if it and hasn't... It, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like... it's it's you it's we never see although the panthers make it tough you never see a team play a perfect game ever there's always at least one mistake and at the end of the day referees aren't any different than that and they will make mistakes absolutely and some of them are more blatant than others now some mistakes are more important than others but like the error is human, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think you kind of just look at it and go, you know what, like get control of the players, make sure you're not seeing this type of stuff going into the playoffs and then definitely don't let it happen in the playoffs. Cause we saw how that went last year uh, with some of the stuff the Panthers are doing that series versus the lightning. Like it doesn't excuse the referees at all for some of the stuff that was getting missed. I mean, there was some blatant stuff in last year's playoffs that was just not called um, both ways, but I would say mostly in favor of the lightning. Oh yeah. I think you just can't, as hard as it is, you can't let it get to you. Exactly. Like you've got to learn to tune it out. And that just speaks to mental resilience, mental toughness, and that kind of, kind of aspect that kind of that side of the game that like you have to be so dialed that you can't let those you can't let distractions become a a part of your game yeah just play close to the edge without crossing it and keep it under control um you know especially in those key moments at the end of games so hopefully we're not going to see anything like that um you know from from the team at least you know, in the near future. Uh, The last thing I want to talk about on this episode, Spencer Knight. He's been bouncing up and down from the minors like a yo-yo. He was back up tonight going up against the LA Kings. Excellent performance from him. I mean, a really good goaltending game in general from both him and Jonathan Quick down at the other end. But I don't really care that much, Jonathan Quick. It's all about Spencer Knight coming up big. Two goals against, 38 shots against, 946 safe percentage. Are we seeing a reborn Spencer Knight here? And I know he's been up and down in between his starts, but I'm going to read out his last five starts for you in his save percentage. It reads 964, 960, 882, but just forget that one. Which, Which game was that? Rangers. Four goals on 34 shots. Did they win or lose to the Rangers? 
I feel like they lost that one. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. But you know what? That's a lot of shots. I was trying to justify it. Uh, I don't think you can. Uh, And then a 967 and a 946. That is pretty good from Spencer Knight here down the stretch. Uh, And I know those starts are spread out over a decent amount of time, but he's putting in the work in the minors. Um, Are you feeling more comfortable with Spencer Knight now if – the team were to not go out and get a goalie, are you feeling more comfortable with Spencer Knight being the backup going into the playoffs? Yeah, like I don't think there was a single time where I was uncomfortable with that. Um, no, I, I think uh, not we too much both, of you, but I, but I like, think we're both on it. But I know lots of people who were like, this team needs a goalie, specifically yeah. when after every time Bob has a bad game and it's like, oh, he's tired, or and Spencer Knight's in the AHL and he's been, you know, I mean, like he's been good. It's the consistency, I think, is, um, the big thing with him, but those are four out of five really good starts there for him in the NHL. I think so too. And I, 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 I do firmly believe that in the playoffs, the only situation in which Spencer Knight would have to start would be a, a Bobrovsky injury in which case, like no matter who you go out to get, it's probably not going to be enough. No. Or B is Bobrovsky has a truly terrible performance like he did last year in the playoffs, put in Spencer Knight. And then I think that you're you're creating such a bigger spark by putting a guy like Spencer Knight in than uh, a, a random second goalie around the league. Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially when you talk about like a situation in the playoffs where like, you might need to put in your second goal instead of a Brofsky. And like you had the last two years really to, you know, year and a half to work with Spencer Knight, right? You know who he is, right? As a person, as a player, right? You have that level of familiarity with him and he has that level of familiarity with the team, but goalies are unpredictable, right? And the reality is, is let's say you go bring in another goalie, right? And you think he's going to be an upgrade on Spencer Knight, but you get into the playoffs. Bobrovsky has a bad game. You put in the other guy. He has a bad game, right? And then you're kind of you're stuck going to Spencer Knight. And now the message to Spencer Knight has been you didn't believe in him, right? So do you roll the dice on a guy you know less about, right? Who might be an upgrade, but also could not be, or do you just roll with the guys you have the comfort and familiarity with? Do you trust them enough? I, I mean, I, I agree. Like I do. I, like I do, and I think you look at Chris Drieger this year, and that's probably your perfect example of you just you can never predict what a goaltender is going to do. Like exactly, or, you know how how he's going to do. Like there are very few goalies I feel pretty confident in all the time. Like, yeah, I I completely agree. I think that the list is probably three or four right now in the NHL. Yeah. Like really the goalies I'm feeling really confident with it every single night are probably Vasilevsky, Soros and Shesterkin. I might throw Markstrom in there. Yeah. Markstrom's been good. Demko's been good too. Yeah. Markstrom and Markstrom and Demko were the two that I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, Shesterkin, um, Vasilevsky for sure. Then your third was Soros. Soros. Yeah. Especially against the Panthers any day of the week. Any day of the week, you see Soros automatic. It's upsetting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like other than those guys, like to me, goalies are unpredictable. So I'm just, I don't want to spend assets to upgrade, to maybe upgrade a position. I'd rather spend them to get better defense or get another forward um, type thing. And perspective. Yeah, like the game in the playoffs is completely different than the game in the regular season. Very the style different. of hockey is completely different. High danger opportunities are far rarer. Yeah, I think of any sport hockey changes the most in the playoffs. Yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah, you're right about the, the high danger stuff. Like it becomes a completely different game. Um, it becomes a game where your defense is that much more important. I, I think at the end of the day, that's that's what happens is defense becomes just critical. 
Yeah, I know. I 100% agree with you. I think if I'm the team, like that's the area I'm looking to address. Spencer Knight, I mean, I'm feeling good with him in the net. Um, looking at him now, especially compared to the start of the year when he was slumping, big thing to me. I kind of uh, alluded to it earlier. He's playing a little bit deeper in his net. To me, he was over aggressive earlier in the year when he was slumping, right? Yeah. He was trying to over challenge shots, right? He was moving around a bit too much. He seems much more economical in the net. Um, especially tonight with what you saw, you know, maybe, you know, wants one of the goals back, but at the end of the day, you're facing a lot of shots. You're making a lot of saves. You made some big saves uh, for the team. They had a chance to win because he was in net. Uh, and Jonathan Cook was great at the other end of the night. And there was maybe a lack of finishing uh, mm-hmm. from some of the guys, but I'm feeling good with Spencer Knight at the moment. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see him get a few more starts down the stretch. Um, you know, maybe another, one or two before the trade deadline, which is coming up. Um, but we will see. But yeah, going to the deadline to me, goaltending has got to be the third priority, I think, for this team. Yeah. Right? I, I don't even think it has to be on the radar, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and so we will get into that and a lot more stuff around the trade deadline on our next episode. We're going to do uh, a Thursday episode this week where we're talking all about the trade deadline. Maybe we'll get some people on the episode, um, which would be a lot of fun. A lot of names out there. We've talked about a lot already, but this will give us a chance to go into a bit more detail, maybe throw out some mock trade ideas. So should be a great episode, should be a lot of fun. Um, So that's coming up Thursday. Um, So stay tuned for that. But thank you so much to everyone listening in. And we'll be back next time, and we'll see you all then.